So I'm giving this podcast thing a try. I'm a huge MMA fan, and my name is Andrew. I've been a fan of mixed martial arts and UFC since 2015, so quite a late bloomer um, after MMA kind of became a huge thing in 2005 with the release of The Ultimate Fighter, where we saw Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin bring cage fighting, also known as mixed martial arts, to a wide audience. And I became a huge fan of Joe Rogan in 2015, thanks to a friend's suggestion, and I just got hooked. I think I realized I've always loved fighting, as a little kid, I was always into it, you know, looking, oh, what if this guy fights that guy? Or when I watch a movie with those action heroes like Stallone, Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren. And I got introduced to MMA formally in 2015 when I saw Conor McGregor on his rise to fight Chad Mendes at UFC 189. And the fight that actually really got me into mixed martial arts was... The Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald fight, that was just a brutal fight to watch from start to finish. That was like two men, gladiators, like in Roman times, just going at it for that belt. And when I saw Lawler's interview with that busted up lip after, that just gave me chills. And also before the fourth round, when he just stared down McDonald and spat that blood out, that's when I knew the sport was for me. After that... Uh, I was going through a hard time too mentally and uh, with my life and you know I was like I was into hockey but I wasn't good at playing and you know I wanted a new outlet so I took up martial arts first it was taekwondo believe it or not I did that for 6 months it was pretty fun but I don't but I I was a terrible kicker and then I got into uh, introduced to Kyokushin karate which is known as knockdown karate it's the most uh, intense uh, style of karate that people do. It's only 12 million in the world do it. And I came across it after loving Dolph Lundgren in Rocky IV, who, and he was a fitness freak. You know, I got into fitness with the gym, but I need, I always wanted to like that warrior mentality, that Spartan life. So in this podcast that I want to do, I definitely want to talk about mixed martial arts, you know, I want to give a bit of a history about it to those who are just getting into it, whether you listen to it or not. Um, so I'm a history major from Concordia, so I guess I'm putting my history major to use in terms of giving you guys some knowledge about a sport that I really love. I believe uh, combat sports is a global sport. I don't think soccer is, even though we have the World Cup, because the UFC has fighters of different nationalities from around the world. You could have a guy from Canada, you could have an American, you could have a Brazilian, you could even have a guy from some unknown country. Could be in Kazakhstan, let's say, as there's been a rise in Russians uh, coming up in combat sports, showing that they are going to take over, well, a portion of the pie in this scene. Now... I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means. I, I don't work for ESPN, TSN, but I do definitely try to follow and want to give uh, some content to what I do. I definitely would like to uh, have on some, peop- some uh, peers of mine that are in uh, combat sports. Some are semi-pro fighters. Some are dedicated craftsmen in their art, such as my coach, uh, who's a second Dan black belt in Kyokushin. He's getting his third Dan soon, hopefully, so he can teach classes, but he is uh, n- as knowledgeable as you can get A1 in terms of knowing combat sports, 
definitely improved my fight IQ and knowledge of uh, the sport uh, from him. Uh, my, one of my other coaches is a semi-pro fighter who has been in the scene. He's seen the pros, trained with arguably some of the, the best fighters in the game and probably one of the goats in George St. Pierre. Uh, I, oh, I should also note too that my coach also, the current coach, has also trained with uh, George and uh, he said it was an experience of a lifetime. I definitely uh, want to give, when I do this podcast, I want to first break it down with the history of mixed martial arts. I want to talk about how it started, where the UFC began, uh, the dark ages, the kind of the middle ages when it was going through a transition, uh, and then to uh, the transitional period and prosperity, as I like to call it, from the circa of 2000. I'd say 2002 until present because 2002 was when we really saw the sport take off for with one event, UFC 40. And then there was some bumps along the way, but by the end of 2004, there was some big changes that happened. So I definitely would like to teach you guys about that. Now my podcast format will be around, you know, 45 Two minutes to an hour. I don't like to bore. I'll try to be as on the point as I can. Sometimes I might have fillers where I go, um, uh, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm not <laughs> a reporter by any means, but I do want to give as best content as I can. So just to give you a little bit about myself, um, I have been doing karate now for two and a half years. I'm about to get my green belt, which will be two belts off uh, in in the hierarchy of belts for black. So it's a very nice accomplishment. Once I get my black belt, I definitely aim to transition into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to learn about grappling and learn about the ground game with the terminology so I can really verse myself in what how that style works in uh, in a, in fighting. I also enjoy boxing as I mix it in with my uh, karate because the punches in karate are very stiff, but boxing has a flow to it, the sweet science as as it's known. So I believe it's important if you're doing uh, any form of karate or taekwondo, which is mainly in the kicks, mixing in boxing is key to get that flow going to make fast punches happen because if you can develop your punches, it just make you're just more well-rounded in terms of striking. So my interests are that I love watching UFC, man. I, I think I, I binge every Joe Rogan podcast I get with the MMA shows and then send clips to my friends or coaches who are also fans. So I am a fanboy indeed. Um, I always try to keep up to date with the news on Twitter and Instagram. So I, mean, so I definitely love sharing uh, content with those who love the sport. And my favorite fighter presently is Johnny Bones Jones. The GOAT, as I think he is, I think he is the Michael Jordan of mixed martial arts. Been following, I followed, uh, when I got into MMA uh, fully, I was only a Conor fan, but I knew of who John Jones was, but at the time he was coming off uh, a suspension with uh, an infamous, his infamous hit and run from 2015. And then when I started watching John Jones, the first time I saw John was when he beat DC. Daniel Cormier at UFC 214, and I was just amazed with how he took, he made fighting look like an art. The guy is just levels 
beyond everyone else. When you watch John fight, it's like watching a painter make a masterpiece with uh, how he expresses himself. And that's what I think fighting is. You know, fighting, it's instinctual. You know, it's in our DNA. But sometimes it's an outlet that helps us express ourselves with how we feel. I definitely feel karate has done the same for me as I do compete as well. Um, and whenever I compete, I just feel free. Like, I really feel that uh, you don't... You don't uh, worry what other people think you know you just worry about yourself just trying to show how you feel by demonstrating what you know what you've learned with your combos your katas which are your stances it's uh it's definitely uh it's definitely something that i love that I, that i love doing and you know john when i was watching him i was going through a very tough period mentally uh just where i was with life and um I'll eventually address that in future episodes. In future episodes, where uh, what got me into MMA. But for now, I just want to focus on uh, introducing myself, who I like in the sport, why, and so forth. So John is my favorite fighter presently, and I just love how he he's so well rounded. Like I even downloaded all his fights off iTunes just to watch and study them to try to copy a bit of what he can do. You know, I just love that champion mentality, you know, where you go in, he uh he just messes up his oppos- his opposition. And another fighter that I really like presently, I would have to say there's a few in middleweight. It would have to be Gegard Mousasi who fights in the Bellator promotion. Fellow uh, half Iranian, bit of Armenian, so I gotta support my uh, my homeboy there, and just a fantastic kickboxer with that Dutch style of kickboxing that keeps it simple. I also like Robert Whitaker in middleweight, the current middleweight champion, very humble like George. I could say he's kind of like the Aussie version of GSP. Very humble, he's got that karate style, very good takedown defense and grappling. And even Yoel Romero, who Whitaker fought, I don't have, I don't believe in this. I'm on this guy's team or I'm on that guy's team. You know, I think fighting is a very individual sport. It's not like hockey where you follow the Montreal Canadiens, but you hate the Boston Bruins, which is instinctual because it's tribal. You know, there's that tribalness there. But in fighting, it's different. You got to, you have to appreciate. Uh, every fighter, even the unknown ones, but the ones who are well known, who have the characters that are unique, you, you have to appreciate them either way. And that's how I am with guys like John Jones, uh, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, and welterweight. I love Kamaru Usman. You know, I never thought I'd like wrestling, but man, he makes wrestling look so fun and so simple. And his coach, Henry Hooft, shout out to Hard Knocks. You know, I love what they're doing with their fighters. They're bringing in some of the best talent they have. And they are, and Henry just finds a way to put in that simple style of striking, kickboxing, boxing with a a natural grappler who can add it to his skill set. It's very unique. And when it comes to to featherweight, I don't really have a lightweight fighter I like following because lightweight, there's too many guys that are good right now. And when it comes to featherweight, I love Max Holloway. I think he's one of the best um, 145ers there is. Love how open he is with his 
personal life outside of the octagon with his struggles. You know, we could all relate to that. And that's what I like about fighting, you know, and, and especially mixed martial arts. The fighters are very relatable with us. You know, we all have problems in our lives and we look to them, you know, and they're not perfect. You know, you can't idol worship, which means you idolize them, but you can learn from them. And, you know, when they when you see how human they are, it makes you like the, and, and appreciate the sport even more. And, um, yeah, so I definitely want to start with the history of mixed martial arts. So uh, when we trace the origins of MMA, as, it's, uh, the, as the abbreviation goes, or colloquially, no, colloquially, well, I can't say the word, known, uh, martial arts have been around for thousands of years. You know, I can't trace it back, you know, even though I have a history degree, I, I'm not a micro expert on it. But, you know, let's, let's, take, let's go back in time to the 1980s where there was, uh, you had karate, you had kickboxing, you had taekwondo, you had wrestling, if you went to college in the Olympics, you had uh, kung fu or jeet kune do from Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee was an icon for, from, the, the, from the 60s until his death in the 60s. 1973 if I'm not mistaken so the late 80s comes around and everyone if you did martial arts it was either boxing because of Rocky maybe karate because of the karate kid or taekwondo the Korean martial art with more kicking technique and then taekwondo went to the Olympics helping give it some mainstream so let's now fast forward to 1990s around 1992 93 so there's a family in California named the Gracies and Torrance. So their style of martial art was called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which was grappling. So their style was known for taking fights to the ground. So they would bring strikers, let's say like a kickboxer, a Muay Thai kickboxer to their gyms, and they would demonstrate how their style was superior. Uh, the family's very big. You have the founder of the art, Helio Gracie, and there's a long line of members in this family. So I can't name all of them because it's too big. I've looked at the family tree. Maybe eventually I'll go over it in detail. But the, he, uh, but the, the main brother was Horian. So Horian wanted to demonstrate what his style was and how it's superior in a fight. So they needed some investors as when we, they came up with a tournament, like a blood sport, you know. There was rumors of uh, underground fighting with different styles happening, but Horian wanted to bring it to the mainstream audience. So he wanted to show, to, he wanted the world to see that what style would prevail in a fight. Would it be uh, a wrestler from college that, can, that went to the Olympic team? Would it be uh, karate, a karateka, the term for a karate practitioner, a taekwondo practitioner or a kickboxer that you know did kickboxing or american style of uh, karate because karate there's so many styles such as kyokushin which i do shotokan uh shorin there's the ryus there's like three ryu styles american kenpo i i i can't name them all but i'll just name the like, the big ones that people might know so if there's any more out there you know i'm open to hearing about them but for now, I want to just get back to topic. So 1993 comes around and Horian decides to launch the first Ultimate Fighting Championship. But it was called the Ultimate Fighting Challenge, coined by Bill Sugarfoot Wallace, a commentator and 
an, a former PKA champion in, uh, in kickboxing, who's also a karate champion as well, if I'm not mistaken. So I have to relook that fact up. And he coined it the ultimate fighting challenge by accident. So when the first fight UFC happened, it was at McNichols Arena in Denver, Colorado. So 1993. What, it was a pretty interesting year if, you, uh, if, you, if we look back pop culturally. Something I remember about it was, A, it was uh, two years in, almost two years to when uh, the Soviet Union finally collapsed. So communism is no more in Russia. So you see a lot of Russian athletes, whether they're in hockey, basketball, or elsewhere, try their, to come to the West to dip their foot in uh, athletic pursuits to make more money for themselves, bettering their situations, since it's now a capitalistic society now. Um, the Bulls had just won their first three-peat, and Michael Jordan announced his retirement from basketball to pursue baseball. Bill Clinton is president during this time. He's in the first year of his, uh, he's in the first year of his first term. And the Montreal Canadiens in hockey, since I'm from Montreal, were uh, in the first season of defending the last Stanley Cup they won in 1993. So let's fast forward now to November 10th, 1993. So four days before I actually turn <laughs> two years old. And the first UFC was kind of what you could say is a freak show. So you had a wrestler, you had a karate practitioner, we had a European kickboxer, a sumo wrestler, believe it or not, and the mysterious jiu-jitsu practitioner, Hoist Gracie, who was put in. Now, Hoist would become a pivotal figure in the UFC, winning the first few championships. But ironically, it was supposed to be his brother Hickson who was uh, going to be in the tournament. But there was some reasons that Hickson, the older brother, was not put in. There was A, Hickson was bigger than Hoyce. Hoyce was 170, lean, lanky. Hickson was more built. He was, he was my height, 5'11". But Hickson had a wild side to him. The stories, there's many different stories from, uh, depending on who's asked and who I've heard it from. So I've heard, so the stories were from Joe Rogan's podcast. Some were from Joe, based on what Joe has said. Then Big John McCarthy, a former, the first ref in UFC, came on to discuss that. So Hickson was a very free-spirited uh, fighter. He did not want to be part of the Horian's game full-time. Hickson is the kind of guy that if you tell him, hey, you have to do this, Hickson's going to probably be like, yeah, well, forget it. I'm going to California to go surf as an example. So Hickson was, uh, could not be controlled. He was a very free-spirited fighter. And Horian came up with the idea to put Hoisin because they felt he was the best example of what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is to show you don't have to be a brawn bodybuilder or have muscle or be big to win fights. So Hoist went in and the and and it went in to compete. But the first UFC fight, the first ever fight, was between a sumo wrestler named Taylor Tuli and a Dutch 
kickboxer named uh, Gerard Gourdeau, who was also a ninth dan in uh, Kyokushin karate. I'm telling you, those uh, Kyokushin guys, you know, they get their black belt and they're just able to make that seamless transition into kickboxing because of the low leg kicks, which uh, other styles don't utilize. So Gerard fights Taylor Tuli, and the fight is more remembered not because it was the first, only the first fight, but it's also remembered for Gerard just kicking Taylor right in the mouth and the tooth flying out, hitting one of the commentators in the crowd. So that's definitely one thing. That's definitely a souvenir to remember for the first ever UFC. Uh, the other fights had Ken Shamrock, uh, a wrestler of submission wrestling, looked like Captain America. People thought he was going to be the favorite to win the tournament. And then you had a few other guys. You had um, Zane Frazier, who was a karate practitioner in American Kempo. So that's the style. If you guys want to know what Kempo is, it's the, the kind of the karate you get taught at in YM, the YMCA sometimes. Or it's taught independently, but it's kind of more famous because Elvis did that style of karate. It's under Ed Parker, who Americanized karate in the 60s and so forth. But Zane was a good fighter. He was a Kempo champion, and he fought another kickboxer named Kevin Rosier. Now, keep in mind, the first UFC had no weight classes like it does today. It was basically a free-for-all. So you could be... 300 pounds fighting Hoist Gracie, who was 180 pounds. There was that much of a weight difference. There was no weight classes. There was no rounds. It was basically a free-for-all gladiator fest. And Kevin beat Zane, just to make a long story short. And then Hoist... His first fight was against Art Jimerson, who was a boxer. And Art was famous for fighting with only one boxing glove. And Hoist made easy work of him. It was a very easy fight. So that was the first preview people got of what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is. Meanwhile, Ken Shamrock, who would also become a pivotal figure in MMA, fought uh, Patrick Smith, who was a kickboxer with a black belt in Taekwondo, and he made easy work of Pat. Pat Smith was apparently a champion of over 100 bare-knuckle fights underground, although it is not really proven, but uh, Ken went in there and just, and he, and he just fucked, he just fucked Pat Smith up right away. It was a classic wrestler versus striker where he was able to submit Pat and break Pat's leg with ease. So that helped Ken move up very fast. Then we had Gerard Gourdeau fight Kevin Rozier. Now, Kevin Rozier was a 300-pound kickboxer from Buffalo, New York, and Gerard just made easy work in, in using leg kicks, and he had no issues with Kevin. Kevin's cardio was terrible. Gerard, having that kickboxing pedigree with Kyokushin, you have that mental durability to, to go through fights with, like it's nothing, and Gerard easily beat Kevin, and then you had... Um, the big matchup to get to the final, which was Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie. And Ken was seen as a favorite to win the tournament because he had that Captain America-like bodybuilder body. Uh, Hoist, they thought, was going to be, finally his luck was going to run out. But luckily, Hoist managed to give Ken a very hard time. And 
what we saw was that Hoist proved that you don't need to be that big guy once again to win a fight with jiu-jitsu. And Ken and Hoist would ironically, after this form a rivalry where they where Ken felt that he should have beaten Hoist and you know he let Hoist get off easy. So the final fight pits us against Hoist and Gerard Gudo. So so now you have a six foot five monster in uh, Gordo. Those Dutchmen, man, I don't know. It's like their average is uh, like height is like six foot three, six foot four. Gerard was six foot five and uh, over two hundred, and Hoist was five eleven or six foot one hundred eighty. Now probably one seventy seven pounds, soaking wet because there was no. Like, okay, you do one fight, we wait for the next event. It was Everything was in one night. It was a one big man tourney. So Hoist would fight Gerard, and Gerard had a very hard time with Hoist's grappling. But Gerard was known for cheating. He had a way, he would bite. When Hoist was submit, had him in a submission or choking him down, Gerard would try to choke it would try to bite him actually uh, what am i saying here he would bite him and, you know remember the first ufc anything goes there was no rules allowed this was as big as a shit show you can get with two capital s's bold underlined you want to indent it go right ahead so hoist was able to eventually submit uh gerard Gurdeau with ease and he won the first uh, ultimate fighting challenge now this proved that this was a pivotal moment. Like this was one of the most pivotal moments in combat sports history because it showed that even the little guy could win against a big guy. That the pen is mightier than the sword. You don't need to have brawn or strength to win fights. You need to know how to use your skill set and your liabilities to your advantage. That's what that's what essentially got me into the sport. Knowing me, I'm a history buff. I had to look up everything from the past. And buying a visual history book of the UFC with all the years also helped. So that's the conclusion of UFC 1. Brazilian jiu-jitsu triumphs. And Hoist would, become, would be the champion from 1993 until 1995 when he retired in the month of around May or June when he would fight Shamrock for the final time in the longest ever recorded fight for 45 minutes and it came to the conclusion of a draw because there was a lack of judges so i definitely want to do another part of the history because this is just the beginning of what would happen because the reaction from society at the time in the 1990s was not open-minded at all it was a very closed-minded very opinionated society to this new sport coming because at the time the big sports people would watch are are the nhl for hockey nba for basketball mlb for baseball soccer when it's the world cup like the closest thing you'd have for fighting would be boxing you know mike tyson uh sugar uh sugar ray leonard um Evander Holyfield. I'm not really a big boxing guy, but I I know the big names. And if you like, when it came to other combat sports, there was WWE, but that's pro wrestling. It's kind of just acting, if you want to say what you want. But it's really just acting. The real wrestling is in the Olympics for Greco-Roman or freestyle. So, moral is the 1990s. Yes, the beginning was amazing. It put helped put something new on the map. 
But when you start something new, there's always going to be detractors and haters that want to see this fail. So that concludes it for the first episode. And I definitely look forward to discussing next time what the history and landscape demographics was like for MMA in the 90s until the new millennium.